0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 77 of the Adult Education Podcast. I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and today we're talking to country singer and songwriter Ray Fulcher. I'd first like to start today by saying thank you. You know, just thank you for listening to this episode and any of the other episodes of the Adult Education Podcast. Thank you for sharing some of your time today with me and my project. I just, I so appreciate you. I really do. I've been looking at the numbers for this show and it looks like the majority of you are using Spotify to listen. So if you have a second, it would be so helpful to me and for the show if you could leave a rating. If you could go ahead and click on those five stars, that would be huge. Now, what does this do, you might be asking? It helps Spotify's algorithm know that people enjoy the show, that they should push it out to some new listeners. A rating and review on any platform is extremely helpful and is a very easy and free way to support the show. So thank you so much if you can take a second and do that. Now I first came across Ray Fulcher a few years ago as a songwriter. He happened to be one of the guys behind some of the biggest songs for country megastar Luke Combs. Those songs include hits like When It Rains It Pours, Lovin' On You, Even Though I'm Leaving, and the Duet with Eric Church called Now, even though Ray found success as a songwriter, his main goal has always been to be on that stage, and he's been getting his opportunity in a big way. In 2021, he went out on tour with Luke Combs and opened the show at some of the country's biggest and most famous arenas. I happened to catch him at Madison Square Garden up in New York City in December, and what an amazing performance that was. We'll talk a little bit about that in today's conversation. Now, I love Ray. I've had a chance to spend some time with him over the last year, and he's just such a good dude. I'm glad that I get a chance to share some of his story with all of you so you can appreciate it as well. And not only is he a talented artist, but he's also doing his part to help artists who have been struggling with their mental health. And I always appreciate when people step up for that specifically. Now, before we jump into the conversation, just a quick reminder to give Adult Education a five-star rating if you don't mind. That's super helpful for us. And if your streaming platform allows you to, write a review. A few kind words would be greatly appreciated.
1: They're they make poor swings and hand have- What's going on? Not much. Just got to finish writing a song Yeah, here on Music Road.
0: Another number one?
1: I sure hope so. it would (laughs) be awesome.
0: How does that, I mean, I guess it's a stupid question to say, how does that work? Because you get into a room with people and you write music. But do you bring an idea in with you? Do you guys brainstorm when you're sitting there? Like what's like today's, let's talk about today, for example. Like when you went into this, right? Did you say, all right, I've got this idea. I want to talk about this. How are we going to work that?
1: So today, for instance, it was right before I started Radio Tour, me and me and one of the guys I wrote with today kind of had this song started. And as I was thinking about the right today, I go, oh, I remember I love that chorus we wrote that right before I started Radio Tour. Let me revisit it. And so last night I listened to it and I loved it. And so when I came in, I was like, hey, we can throw out ideas about some other stuff. But Shane and I had this chorus started that I really loved. And so I played it for them and they were all like, yeah, let's do that. Let's build around it. So today was a little bit different because we had something kind of started, but you know, normally I have a running list of ideas in my phone and pretty much everybody does, or we'll just kind of depend on who you're writing with the night before I'll just go or the morning of go through them and go, that'd be cool to write today with like, you know, with these guys and, you know, have kind of pick out three or four in my mind to kind of be able to throw out. And so sometimes somebody comes in and goes, dude, I thought about this idea last night. I'm ready. Like, let's go, you know, kind of thing. So
0: I'm always fascinated when you hear stories of people that are like, all right, so I woke up with this bass line in my head. I want to write around that. I'm like, how the hell do you write around? <laughs> it's just, But I mean, I guess if you do it enough, you get so used to just writing with what you know and what you got.
1: Those guys that do that are like super great musicians that like can hear the, this bass line and, and a mel- I'm more of a melody. You know, I hear this melody in my head or there's an idea or just the words and I think about you know, how do the words kind of line up or work together or, you know, to create a good hook for the song.
0: Well, now that I'm actually talking to you in person, I want to say congratulations for the uh, big Georgia football championship.
1: Thank you, man. What a long time coming. That was, you know, we've just been through like, you know, I worked for the team there and I've been following them since I was five. Went to school there, worked for the team. And we've had so many, just almost, you know, just so many close calls and like, so much frustration and heartbreak that finally breaking through and getting the ones, man, still seems surreal. You know, <laughs> you're like, all right, well, when's, when's this when I wake up? Cause this ain't how the movie normally ends.
0: <laughs> it does feel like, and I don't follow college football real strongly. I mean, I'll watch a big game when it's on TV, but sure. my school was a basketball school, not a football school. So we didn't really have too much to get excited for during football season. Um, but I do feel like over the last even say 10 years, Every year you hear people talking about how Georgia is potentially the best team, but they couldn't seem to beat Alabama. And that was the one hump. And I just feel like winning a championship is amazing, but winning the championship over the team that has knocked you down for so long has to feel 10 times better.
1: You know, it, I think it would have felt and me and me and some buddies actually talked about this, like before the going into the playoffs. they were like, if we beat Michigan, somehow Cincinnati beats Alabama and we beat Cincinnati for the national championship would, Would it still, would there still feel like something was missing?
0: Yeah.
1: And then we all just were like, of course we'd be happy about the natty if we wanted, but it still, it would still feel incomplete because we didn't like slay our dragon. You know, we kind of backdoored our way in if it was any other way, but beating Alabama, you know, so sure.
0: Yeah, I get it. You know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. Patriots fan. I grew up in New England, and there is still a piece of yeah. me that, like, wants the Patriots to beat the Giants in the Super Bowl just because of those yeah. two times where yeah. they couldn't do it. Like, I just yep. – I would love to see them take them down in the Super Bowl just because, you know. But, hey, any Super Bowl win is exciting. I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Did you lose your voice like Luke Bryan, or were you able to, uh, to get through the championship without blowing your vocal cords? You know,
1: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't, and it was because I, you know, I was actually with Luke Collins and Dustin Lynch and Mark Wills on a hunting trip. But who the guy, there were some guys there from the um, – actually from the Opry that were there. And it was kind of a situation where I couldn't quite let loose like I normally would. I was able to, like, get into it all. But at the same time, I had to kind of, you know, keep my cool. And so it was actually a really good atmosphere, though. I was – you know, it kept me from losing my cool. And other points of the game where normally by myself I would have probably not and lost my voice and, and stuff. So, Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I guess you lucked out in that way. And I'm glad you mentioned Luke, because the last time that I saw you in person was night number two in Madison Square Garden on the Luke Gomes tour. And I just, I was thinking about that for you, especially because even though I, I guess you technically fall into the category of new artist, even though you've been playing music for over a decade and, yeah. and working hard, trying to uh, to break through as an artist, uh, a lot of success as a songwriter, but being there in that you know, legendary arena in front of 20,000 people and that, like, how do you mentally prepare for a night like that?
1: You know, for me, it's like, I couldn't even really think about the grandiose of the moment until after I played, because that place is so famous. And so, you know, it's the, the most famous arena in the world. And I think kind of allowing that moment to sink in before I played would have probably created a lot of nerves, which would affect the show. And so I really just was like, okay, you know, we know we're in Madison Square Garden, but just focus on the show. And then afterwards think about how cool this is. And so that's what I tried to do is, you know, to keep myself just focused on the task at hand and focused on the songs and focused on my singing and then kind of take the time after the night of the second show to go look around and go, man, this is really cool. You know, you know, so, so that didn't, I could take it in, but so that it didn't affect the show. Because that's, that's one of those places, you know, the Opry is another one where the first time you play that, it's like, man, nerves and, and stuff just because of the the aura and the, the mythical nature of the, the the venue.
0: So Yeah, and the Luke Combs tour, too, it was in the round. So it's not like your typical stage where you've got, you know, the stage yeah. set up on one end of the venue and you're looking out at all the people. I mean, the people surround you on that Luke tour, which yeah. which is a whole different element to, to performing because now you're not just standing there kind of looking out. You've got to make sure you're, you know, moving around, making eye yeah. contact with everybody, which is kind of a crazy experience.
1: 100%. Yeah, well, you know, in the round. was it took you know a show or two to kind of get used to that and find your bearings and go okay this is how this works and like so after about the the first or second time by that third or fourth show you kind of know okay this show this song is going to start here and start here and then I'm kind of going to work you know and then I got to the point where I was like I'm going to be in one place a little bit but mostly I'm just going to kind of scan you know scan the room and just kind of work each because with four different it's almost like four different stages because there's four sides you stay on one side too long it's like these other guys have been looking at your back for 10 minutes, you know? And so you want to make sure everybody gets served, you know, in a, in a sense. So
0: yeah, I was watching, um, Ashley McBride went on after you. And I think she had like a microphone set up on each quarter of the stage. So after every song, she'd just move yeah. to a different microphone. And I was like, that's, that's smart because you're forcing yourself to make sure you engage with the entire yeah. room throughout the show.
1: We did two. I did one on one side and then one mic stand on the other. And so any time that I kind of wanted to be stationary, I would like, so I had, always would have the first three songs kind of scripted out like start this one and then end the song on this one start on this one and the second song on the other one and then after that it was kind of let's feel it out you know after that so feel out the room you know because each crowd's different
0: yeah i I gotta give you credit because i i've obviously never performed in a situation like that but watching you up there on that stage i i feel like you owned it. Like I, I was, I was like, man, Ray, Ray is owning this moment. Almost like Luke Combs, who like, this is my fucking stage tonight. I right. am the headliner. Like, right. like you really, you rocked that venue. And I was so impressed with the performance um, in there. Cause I, I just, I mean, even standing there as a person watching, it was my first time in Madison square garden too. And I was just like, even I was nervous as a fan <laughs> like yeah. watching that. Yeah. I'm like, I've heard so much about this place. I I don't even know, like what should I do here? So I just, I give yeah, you I credit mean, cause you crushed it.
1: Thanks so much, man. Yeah. You know, that's, Kind of the mindset I try to take is just kind of like you know all gas no brakes, just getting up there and going. You know, we're here, and you're here for a reason, and you wouldn't be up here if you didn't belong. So go, you know, go on it. You know, in a better, you know, in a way of speaking. So. Thank you that means a lot I appreciate that.
0: I want to dive into you know your history and kind of how we got to this point but I think what's also impressive about it is that you haven't been playing music for your entire life. Like some people start playing music when they're really yeah. young and they they cut their teeth and you know in, in choir or high school bands or whatever and they move forward but you kind of picked it up as an adult basically. Yeah. So it's interesting you know how quickly if you will you adapted to that whereas some people are working their entire lives and still haven't quite figured that situation out but you're kind of like i don't know it's almost like i don't know i don't want to say ignorance because it sounds like a really bad word but it's almost like whatever it, man i'm going up there i'm going to do it we'll see what happens
1: right (laughs) yeah i mean for me you know i didn't learn to play guitar till i was 20 you know and so and i do it's kind of strange you know it wasn't until i was 23 or 24 that i actually was like man you know maybe maybe there's this crazy slight chance that this is something i could do for a living but by the time that i moved you know, I was like, okay, I am a little bit older. I started late in this process. So how do we make up time? And the way I looked at it, making up time, I was like, okay, it's, they say this is a 10 year town. I got to find a way to make, to fit 10 years into five. The way I looked at it was like, okay, any any chance I get to soak up knowledge from someone or any chance I get to go to a songwriter's round and try to learn from what they're doing or whatever, I'm going to do it and try to quicken the process as much as possible. And in a lot of ways it's worked. In other ways, I think it's it's still, working but that's just kind of the mentality i've had is just kind of some people are born and just they open their mouth and these great sounds come out you know or they're just born into like by 14 they're they're this incredible guitar player or whatever and they're just born with this insane talent and i may never be the 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 very most talented but no one you know my goal is for no one to kind of outwork me Mm. you know and so and i've kind of taken that approach from you know, since I kind of started getting serious about it, you know, cause, because I felt like I did have to make up time.
0: So performing and playing music was not necessarily in your life until you were in college. Uh, what was going mm-hmm. on before you went there? What were your goals? What were you thinking? I mean, I saw that you were you were an average horse rider. You uh, you qualified for a tournament, yeah. I think, when you were younger?
1: <laughs> yeah, I qualified for the uh, National World Finals in barrel racing. Oh, okay, uh, barrel racing. All, or right. The, the world, all right, the World Finals in, in barrel racing. And so, but I was kind of done with that by the time, when I got kind of the middle of high school and sports really kind of turned on, where it becomes almost a year round thing if you're playing a couple sports, which I was, I stopped doing that. And then, you know, when I went to Georgia, I started working for the football team, working for the quarterbacks there. And so that made me go, all right, I know I want to affect people's life. Well, how, how can I do that? And I go, okay, well, I have a passion for, I want to help people. I love history. I love sports. I want to be involved in sports. So I was like, all right, history teacher, football, baseball coach and that was kind of my plan and then i went to the i went to an eric church concert and i was like wait a second i've always loved country music but this is like this hit me in a way i was like i gotta i have to like do what he's doing and then you know it kind of dawned on me like you're still affecting people just in a different way than i you know I'm, i'm not in the classroom but i like to think that people can listen to music and you know it's Music's healing. It's moving. It's uh, inspirational. It's all those things. But yeah, for a long time, that's what I was going to do. And then once I, you know, once kind of music grabbed a hold of me, it was like, well, I feel this enough inside of me to know that I have to try. I can't just decide I'm not even going to try because I'd always regret it. Even if I failed, I had to. It was not even a choice for me. I was like, I have to do this for me. Mm-hmm.
0: And here's what's so cool about your story to me: that you 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 see this Eric Church concert, which. inspirational in so many ways i'll be totally honest i appreciate eric church as an artist when i hear his music on say an album it doesn't do a lot for me personally i can respect him but it's not my favorite but when you see him in concert it is a different i mean it is a a whole different situation
1: it really is an experience and i mean it was you know the the same way for me like the songs that i'd heard of him were before that concert that i went to which was just a club concert in athens georgia i was like cool i'd only heard a couple of songs maybe how about you? Sure, you know, and and make one other one, and they were like, I remember. How about you? Just going kind of like, okay, I mean, whatever. But when I saw him in concert, I was like, this is a whole different thing, yeah. you know.
0: And that's yeah. what, and that's when you picked up the guitar because it wasn't like you kind of learned guitar before when you were younger, but never really took it seriously. You saw Eric Church, and you were twenty, I think you said, and then you decided at that moment you're like, all right, I'm going to learn guitar now. And that's just not something that people yeah. generally do when they're twenty years right. old, you know.
1: Yeah, I just you know, and I can't even really explain. I just was like, I have, I mean, I have to learn to do that. I just because of, of how inspired I was that night, you know, and and it wasn't like I was I wasn't living in a fantasy land that night. I, you know, when I got the inspiration from that concert, it was at first it was just I want to just learn to play and maybe I can play some of these songs he's yeah. playing or whatever. And then one thing just kind of leads to the next, and then you go, <laughs> well, man, maybe I can. Maybe I can play a little bar, you know, if I get good enough and just play cover songs and and then be, you know, in the corner of the bar while people are eating. And that would be just, man, that would be the coolest thing in the world. And then you do that for a while and then it's, maybe I'll try to write a song and then maybe I'll try to play those songs out. And then it's just one little bitty step after the other. Next thing you know, you're going, am I really thinking about moving to Nashville? I think I am you know that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> so you finish college yeah. and you're you're writing music now, you're playing music, you're you're trying this out, you're seeing where this is going to take you. Did you actually get into the teaching and coaching and get into all that or did you pack up and move to Nashville before you took that dive?
1: So I did student teaching at the end of my so I got a master's degree. Okay. And so I I did I did do student teaching, but the thing I think that when I knew that that I was going to have to try the music thing was I remember my first week of student teaching, like I'm supposed to be back there kind of like observing. And I was for most of the time, but like the second half of the day, I was like, had my notebook open. Like I was taking notes and I was like trying to write songs, What I was actually doing right there. And I was like, if that's not a sign yeah. that I need to, to not dive into teaching and pretend that I can be all in, then this is my sign. And so when I graduated, I moved back home, actually turned down a teaching job, which was, my you know, obviously my parents thought, He's insane. He just went to school for six years. And so I, I, I sold cars for a couple of years. And then, uh, and then I, I was selling gym memberships for a year. And I remember just having a moment at work going like, okay, this can't go. I have a master's degree from three years ago that I'm just sitting on. I'm playing shows and all, but what is my end goal here? And I had to get really honest with myself and go, because if you're going to do it, time's ticking, like time's wasting if you're going to go try this. But also time's wasting if you're going to do teaching too, because you're just doing these jobs that are like, they're totally fine, and I made a living, and I learned a lot. But it wasn't for me; was not ever going to be a career. So I had to kind of make a decision and go. It's time to like move forward in life, one way or another. And I just had a come to Jesus moment. and Was like, it just boiled down to me. It was, can you wake up at 40 and regret not going? Like, if if that happened, could you live with that? And I just was like, I can't. I can't live with it. So I was like, okay. Well, even if it don't work, even if the chances are one in a million, I got to go see. So.
0: Yeah, you could be that one. I had a similar uh, experience in college, not from a music playing standpoint, but I was a uh, I was an astrophysics major my freshman year of college. And I just I don't know, it was just something I was interested in in high school and thought, let's give this a try. Let's see where it can go. Uh, And I remember my first semester of freshman year, there was a week or a two week period where in the 14 days I was at 10 concerts like I found these little clubs in Philadelphia and I was just there like every night and I just, I couldn't keep Uh-oh. up with my studies. I couldn't do my work. And I thought like, what am I doing? Like, I, can I like you, like, yeah. can I wake up at 40 and feel satisfied, you know, by sitting behind a computer, plugging in numbers and doing all that or do I need to follow something with music and figure out where this passion is going to take me? And, and my <laughs> road took me to radio and I ended up yeah. switching majors and getting into communication and, and trying that handout. But it was a very similar thing. It's like, I, I, I love, this but i'm not this is not what i want to do for the rest of my life like i need to see if i can be involved in music and be involved in this scene and figure out what to do with that and I, i'm just so glad that i made that jump too because i i think i'd be so disappointed with myself if i didn't
1: and not to say that you couldn't have had a you, you know you'd probably have a great life and great job sure but there would always be, be that thing in the back of your mind going what if and i think life's too short to like live your whole life with a what if, you know so um so, yeah, we're very similar in that way. That's awesome.
0: It's funny. There's, I think I read recently there's a 0% unemployment for astrophysicists and radio people are getting right. fired left and right. So, I, And from that respect, I probably made the wrong decision, well, however.
1: <laughs> we're just chance takers, you know? Exactly.
0: So, so, so we, how old were you when you actually packed it up and moved to Nashville? Because you're 35 now? Yeah,
1: I was, 20. yeah, I was okay. 28.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I appreciate that yep. too. Cause that there, I feel like there's been a run of people that have been a little bit quote unquote older Twenty eight's not old, but like you, sure. if your, your mental image is the 18 year old that goes to Belmont or whatever and moves to Nashville and does their right. thing. You know, right. so 28 does seem like the senior citizen on the music scene moving yeah. down there. And I feel like there has been kind of a run of people that are a little bit older moving down there. Like I think of like Brett young, he could go down a little bit yeah. later. Even Luke Combs wasn't, you know, like 19 years old when he decided
1: to give it a shot. No, I mean, I think he was mid twenties too, you know? So, mm-hmm.
0: so what is, what is I that mean, like for you when you get there at 28 and you're like competing with like 20 year olds, trying to get slots.
1: Out of you know, it's in some ways it's tough. Cause you go, you know, that, that, that ways you're like, man, am I kind of, did I miss my window or whatever? But then in a lot of ways it helped my songwriting and it helped because it kept me focused. I knew that I didn't have time to waste. And also I think it helped me for my songwriting because I was able to pull from these life experiences that I only had from the years of like post college to 28. That the people that are 20 years old, just like for no fault of their own, just didn't have because sure. they're not that old. They're not. Different. And I was able to pull so many of my song ideas from experiences in that time frame for me. So in that way, I think it helped me. I think everybody's story is different, and I've always thought back to it. Like, man, should I have moved earlier? And for me, I w- I wouldn't have been ready before I did. You know at twenty six i wasn't I was thinking back I'm like at twenty six there i I wasn't ready you know twenty four I definitely wasn't but it wasn't i think twenty eight is when for me personally, especially when I started my journey you know not only eight eight years before that but for me personally it wasn't the right time for me until then and so once I kind of accepted that, I could be at peace with hey, this is just my story
0: and, and at twenty eight you had experience life not only to have Um, experiences to write about in songs, but you would also kind of understood what it was like to be an adult and to be sort of on your own. And there are so many people, you hear these stories all the time of people that move to Nashville right after college or in college and they just get wrapped up in alcohol, drugs, whatever they get burnt out. And they just, they're, they're not, they're not mentally prepared to handle the pressure and the situations that get thrown at them when they're in that uh, setting I'm, so you, you really you did come in with a whole different footing than what a lot of people do
1: yeah and i think that's where you know the age thing helped helps me def- for sure in that sense because i mean i think about being moving to this town right after college i mean it would have ate me alive yeah. you know what i mean it just i wouldn't have been mentally prepared and you know as so i look back and i just go you know in a lot of ways it was just a kind of a blessing that it, that, it, that it took me as long as it did so that i was ready when i got here
0: when you got to nashville What, what's kind of your first, what's your first thing to do when you get, besides finding a place to live, what's your first thing that you do when you get in there, when you're trying to, you know, start this career, follow your dream? How do you start?
1: I was just telling someone, to someone about this recently, about how the most challenging part of the music career and music businesses, there's, so like if you go, for instance, astrophysics you were talking about, or a doctor or a teacher, whatever else, there's this blueprint where you go okay to do this you go boom you do this and then you get this degree and then you do this training and then you start here and work your way up but there's like a, a path you follow music if they ever had a blueprint they burned it up a long time ago because <laughs> there's just not one so you get here and you literally are asking yourself well, how, all right well now i'm here how do i even start you know and so i just did the only thing i knew to do and i started going to writers rounds everywhere around town watching writers and then I would just not be afraid to to just, you know, walk up and go, hey, I'm new to town. I really enjoyed what you did. And here and there, that would lead to a somebody give me a chance for a co-write. Then, you know, a year in, you have this little, you know, you, through, you know, going to Midtown and, and songwriters rounds and meeting people. You have this little core group of writers that you kind of write songs with. Next thing you know, it's what you hope is that one of those people kind of either you or one of those people kind of, you know, gets a break as an artist and then that's kind of maybe how you get your foot in the door as a songwriter cuz you get songs on their record. And for me, that person happened to be Luke Combs. And so
0: man, what a what I a met shitty Luke. hand you were dealt.
1: <laughs> yeah, I met I met him. He hadn't even moved to town yet. I met Luke 3 days after I moved to town, a chance meeting. Wow. And then that was in May of 2014, but we didn't we didn't move or sorry, we didn't ride until he moved actually moved down there in september of that year but i was the only one of the only people he knew so when he moved we immediately pretty much started hanging out and riding pretty shortly thereafter when neither of us had anything going on but i knew i told people this before there's two moments in my life where i've seen somebody do something and i go okay that's unlike anything i've ever seen this this person is like god given built different and that was the first time i I saw Matthew Stafford throw a football when <laughs> at, when he was when he came to Georgia it was unbelievable to watch and then when I the first time I saw Luke Combs open his mouth and sing mm. I was like this is like if, if this isn't a, a generational voice like I don't then, then I don't know what good music is because this dude is like unlike anything I've ever heard and so I immediately was like I'm hitching my wagon to that What's really cool about that is we've always, and me and Luke are, are, have always said this, we became, I think it's really important for our relationship the way it's been, we became friends first, and then we started writing months after. So we really knew the, the other person, and we really were like, we we became bonded first about that, and then the songwriting came later. And so even to this day, we've always said, like, we're, we're friends first, and we just, but we also work together, and we also write, and it, all the stuff that we've done together is cool. But, if that went away tomorrow, like let's 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 make sure that our friendship never changes. And so that's the foundation we built it on, which is awesome and he's an awesome guy. At the same time, I saw a talent that I've never seen before and was like, That's my guy right there, you know. So
0: I, I wanna go back to that in a second, but I, I wanna just circle back really quick because I was talking to another artist um recently and we were talking about uh, writers' Rounds and working in Nashville and, and moving there and trying, you know, making a living while also trying to find your break. And I feel like the average person when they think of Nashville, if they've been, is they know Broadway. Like that's the average place that people know. Every bar you go into is live music all day long, people playing. And I, I think a lot of people have this impression that that's where people come from. And I'm sure there are folks that come out of that. But even I, like, while talking to this artist, he said, he's like, I refused to work on Broadway because I was afraid that I would get stuck in that trap. Like, you can make a pretty good life making money on that. You can pay your rent. You can pay your bills. He's like, but that's that wasn't the life that I wanted. I wanted to be heard and, you know, have a chance to break. And I never really thought about that from the perspective of yeah, you're probably not going to get seen by a lot of industry folks if you're hanging out on Broadway and playing. Uh, that's not the place to be.
1: And there, there have been you know a lot of cases of people coming out of there. You know what's the toughest thing on Broadway is, and I and, and I'm another one. I haven't done a lot of it. The toughest thing about being an artist on Broadway, you know, it's really great for musicians because they can go down there. And that's how they find other guys that they can play with and other, you know, and, and they're the greatest musicians in the, in the world are down there on Broadway, Nashville, Tennessee the toughest thing about it for an artist is that there are always these built-in crowds and you're always in front of people and seeing people, but that's a revolving door of just people like tourists in town. And so they see this person and hopefully you have some people that, you know, that look you, um, that look you up and you can make a, I mean, an awesome living doing that. The toughest part is there's a hundred bars down there and they, and a lot of people just kind of hop from one to one. And it's really hard to, you know, it's and it's really hard to, to, to not play mostly covers down there. And that's just the name of the game. There's got to be still a way that, that that that's a viable thing. And I think where, where probably where it is a really great thing is too, is if you want to get tight with a band or you want to kind of work on your like stage presence, or you want to work on like your stage singing or, or playing or whatever it is. I mean, that's a great place to do that. At some point, I think there is some sort of disconnect between kind of Broadway and the, and music row. And I think the big, the biggest reason for that is, is social media. Mm. And because now, whereas before you had all these world-class singers and musicians on Broadway, a few blocks away from Music Row. And so you would have music executives go down there and like scout talent. Well, now you can do the same exact thing just from your phone. Mm. And so that's why I think there's become that, um, that kind of disconnect between the two. Just like always, it's an evolving thing. But I do think that at some level, there's a disconnect there.
0: All right, so let's go back to meeting Luke, starting writing and that's kind of where you where you started to to get your opportunities to to break through a little bit here. So, did you always knew that you would always know that you wanted to be a performer or were you like I could write songs for a living or like was there always something in you that I have to be on this stage or were you kind of or did that kind of naturally develop after you started writing some, you know, some songs?
1: You know, for me it's funny because I I moved to town to be the artist like you know to be there because that was kind of why I wanted to move to town and you know what's funny when I moved here is that it was like songwriting co-writing came pretty natural and it was nothing that I ever thought about or really I hadn't I'd written like five songs on Nashville ever but that was the thing that that came pretty natural to me and so then what happened is I came to town for this reason and then all of a sudden I look up three years later and like and songwriting became this really good livelihood for me and so then I had a decision to make and I was like you know what I could stop playing all and just be a a songwriter but I still had to do that gut check moment is that okay that's a great life and like a lot of people do that and that's great and you know I hopefully would continue being successful in it but would I still wait lay there at night going man what if I just gave it a couple more years as the art and so for me I found a way to try to just Wear both hats, even when I didn't have a record deal, even when I didn't know what else to do to, to, you know, to kind of get that deal, even that, even when I was at my wits' end, I was just like, okay, let's reassess in six months and let's reassess whenever. And then I would get there and go, okay, well, I can see where this is. I can see a path here. Let's keep, you know, until the door shut, let's keep, keep chopping. And then, you know, what happens just in life, it's like in October of 2020, I remember just going, throwing my hands up and going, I don't, you know, I don't know what else is gonna take for me to get like a, a deal and get a chance at something bigger than 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 what I was able to do on my own as an independent, and getting my song heard at radio and and getting the things that sometimes you can only get it through a label. And I just was like, look, I don't know the answers anymore. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of just take that pressure off myself and go and just say, I'm gonna do the best that I can do and quit holding on so tight to that idea and see what happens. And that was October of 2020 and then out of the blue in february of 21 and get a call from black river and was like hey we heard the stuff you've been working on i want it, let's talk and then it just it was a very good lesson in life for me of kind of just going like 38 special song hold on loosely <laughs> don't let go like don't don't hold on too tight you know and so but yeah i mean long story short i moved to uh i moved to be the, the artist and never even with the chance, I kind of still never let go of that.
0: And and I do feel like that's one of those things, you know, especially with the resume you've been able to build, you know, as a songwriter too. If you do the performing thing, which I think you've got a bright future as an artist in performing yourself. But if, let's say, I don't know, five years sure. down the road, you realize like, okay, this really isn't going the way that I want it to go. Songwriting will always be there. Like you can write music, you can take that. I mean, let's so fingers yeah. crossed, you you can still make some hits. Sure. You can still do all that. Performing though, you know, five years down the road. Maybe that's not there for you. You know what I mean. So like, I feel like you made the right decision of saying, "If I'm going to do it, now's my chance to do it." Like, there's not always a guarantee that'll be there
1: later. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, and Luke, you know, I'm I'm in a pretty rare position as well. And and Luke, you know, keep bringing up Luke, but we're we're so close, we talk all the time. It's kind
0: of impossible not to get your story with right.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, he said we were just talking the other day, and it just happened to be Luke who I was talking to about this, but. He was like, man, you're in a pretty rare position to where you do have a record deal and you and you're getting to like live and chase your ultimate dream. But what's so cool is like your kind of plan B is a lot of people's ultimate dream. Yeah. And so even if, at the very worst case scenario, you have a couple of hits at, at radio and like at the end of your record deal, you've had three pretty successful albums, but it's, you know, you feel like it's time to move on, or whatever it is, your fallback option is like really really great. You know, basically his point was be just as authentic as you possibly can be because here's your opportunity. It's not you have the ability to do that because your fallback option is like you're taking care of you have the the stability there to be able to be the artist you want to be. And he was just basically encouraging me to do that and because that is rare. You know, it's rare to 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 kind of be in a first record deal but have Also, that to fall back on that foundation of songwriting to just kind of there already.
0: I feel like, you know, aside from the fact that Luke has grown to be the massive star that we know him as, you got lucky hooking up with him because he's also someone that really takes care of the people that are close to him. Like, I think of the other people that he's taken along, you and Jamison Rogers, even Zach Massey. Like, these are people that he's known, and he's been like, hey, look, I want you on my team. We're friends. Let's make this work. And I just – I appreciate yep. that so much about him, that he's like – he's taking care of the folks that have taken care of him over the years.
1: As good of it as he is of a singer and, and writer and all that, he's like – he's just a salt-of-the-earth person. He's got a very um, – a lot of a lot of kind of social awareness and a lot of awareness of like – the people around him and a, a huge sense of loyalty to those people. And also it's just it got a big heart. And so you add all that stuff together and you just, you know, it's hard to say, too. it's hard to say enough about him because, you know, I think the way that, the way that he's going about that probably, it probably is rare, but he always is cognizant of kind of it's us, you know, without, without us, there's no me. It's like his, his thought, you know? And so, which is just really cool. And I'm, I'm grateful and, and probably, yeah, very lucky to to be involved in something like that.
0: I'm making an assumption while we're talking because I know you and Mm -hmm. I know a bit of your story, but I'm making an assumption that someone listening to this knows all about you. So at the risk of, you know, boosting your ego, can we just talk about the songs that you wrote for Luke Combs that people would probably recognize?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luke and I together have on his first two albums, 17 cuts, 17 songs that he's recorded. But the four big ones, the singles, the number ones are uh, When It Rains, It Pours, Even Though I'm Leaving um, does to me with our hero, Eric Church and, uh, loving on you.
0: Did you get to meet Eric in that process? Were you able to, were you able to talk to him and tell him your story and be like, dude, like you're literally the oh, reason I'm here right now.
1: Not in the, not in that process, Okay. But, you know, ironically enough, I finished up my year in Salt Lake with Luke on his tour. We finished the last show. And for me, I wanted to do something for me at the end of the year, like a cap off the year. Yeah. So I flew to an Eric Church concert. as my year-end thing and actually that night after the show got to hang with eric for a couple hours and that that night i got to kind of telling my story and we just you know how his songs meant so much to me but again you think about timing like that probably was the right time for me to talk to him because now it was it's so cool and so really kind of surreal that in that moment of us just hanging it was like we were you know we're, we're like peers and talking about talking shop and stuff whereas thinking about that kid that saw him at george theater and then thinking like that we're just sitting in his dressing room talking, talking shop music one day. It's like, that's pretty crazy. And so it was weird to be able to tell him that story, but at the same time, I have all this cool stuff that's happened, you know, to where it's, it wasn't just me going like, you know, to for him to treat me as an equal, I'm not saying, I'm definitely not an equal to church, but for him to treat me that way was was really cool. And I had a great experience with him and just kind of learning, you know, a little bit about how he ticks and what's important to him, and, you know, just getting to hang just kind of bro out with him for a little while. You know, it was really cool. And for him to bring up how much he loved that song. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I would never be on anything that I don't really love. And I truly love that song. His mom was back there and he told her, he was like, hey, Ray wrote this to me. And she was like, that's my favorite. I love that song. And so for him to come and say like, hey, I wasn't just doing that for like a favor. I love the song. It was really cool.
0: That's awesome. Can I tell you a funny, uh, a funny Eric Church story? Yeah. All right. So this has nothing to do with him necessarily, but I was at an Eric Church show and uh, he was performing. Uh, my program director at the time, he and I had a weird, like, contentious relationship. The program director is the boss of the radio station, if anybody listening doesn't know. So we, we kind of had, like, a weird relationship. So he introduces me to this guy in the crowd, and, and the guy says, like, they're chatting off the side. He's like, hey, what do you think of this, of Eric? This is, like, really early on in Eric's, like, career breaking out. He's like, what do you think of this guy? And at the time, I can't think of the song right now, but from a melody standpoint, music standpoint, it was so damn catchy. Like, the song was so good it yeah. caught my ear but like but listening to lyrics I was like it just sounds so jumbled together like I just don't really know if I feel lyrically anything sure. from this song so I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest with this guy and I'm just like just saying like hey yeah like I, I think it sounds cool I was like but I, I don't know like the lyrics are kind of cheesy to me like sure. I just don't really get it and then after I, I, I tell this guy how I feel my program director goes oh by the way this was the head of Eric's label
1: oh god
0: I was like oh so I learned a very important lesson that night to be very careful about how honest I am with my opinion of those things <laughs>
1: Very very be very careful because you just never know.
0: <laughs> right right. Oh, I felt so bad. And, you know, and again, we didn't know at that time like who Eric was going to turn out to be uh, down the line and what a, you know right. amazing <laughs> artist he is and all the things that he's done. But but I would imagine he would be someone you, you're talking about hanging out with him backstage. I imagine he would be someone that would only sign his name to something that he likes like he is he's an artist sure. artist like he really has such a passion he, for music
1: i think he's an artist in the truest form i mean he yeah. just everything he does is like i mean trademarked air you know it's, it's kind of what most of his songs you go nobody else can really do that yeah. but him to me that's the purest form of, of of an artist he is that i think
0: all right so let's get back on to you uh, a little bit here because you signed a deal uh was it early 2021
1: you said you signed the deal signed the deal in february 21 so we're coming up on a year yeah. just
0: about a year okay so you've put out uh, a few songs here girl in it was yeah. kind of the first single that you put yeah. out there to radio uh i know you just put out uh like a, a mixtape of sorts i think too i think yeah. it's on spotify
1: Yep, four other songs, additional to that, just kind of like a first taste of of music since you know since signing with the label.
0: So, so what's coming our way? Like, do we have an album coming out sometime soon? What are we looking at?
1: We, I'm I'm really excited about this year for a lot of reasons, but you know what I can tell you is, you know, we don't have a date yet, but an, an album is definitely on the horizon, and I'm really excited about it. And what I'm most excited about is, you know, I think for where I'm at in my career, I think. I'm really excited for people to, and and what I want to emphasize when we do put it out is almost think of this, of this album as more like, as like a song. It's like, if you want to really know me as like an artist and hopefully become a fan, take a listen from track one to 15 or whatever, because I think that there will be something for everybody to latch on to somebody, everybody to latch on to a song or two that, that they can like hold as their own. But at the same time, they're also, I think, authentically me. And a lot of my journey is in there and I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. We're kind of narrowing, you know, narrowing down songs, but you know, we're going to be, uh, giving y'all something at radio, some really, something really cool pretty soon. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think I'm the thing I'm most excited about this year is just kind of, you know, uh, for me as the artist, I'm like the last couple of years, just kind of honing in exactly what it is like that I want to do. And the songs that are important to me and the songs I want to put out. So, you know, and you always dream of putting out your first, you know, kind of debut album. Even though we don't have a date or anything, knowing that's on the horizon and that we're kind of working towards that, it's super, super exciting for me. And I'm just kind of excited for, you know, for people to kind of dig into that and have a body of work where it's not just three or four songs. You know, it's it's truly a, an album, you know, that will kind of stand on its own. So, yeah, I'm just excited to be working on it and uh, giving radio some really cool stuff too.
0: Well, I'm excited for it because I feel like, you know, in a way, I've kind of been around from the ground floor with you on this with yeah, the label 100%. and you know and i just uh, i'm really psyched to see what comes from this because i just think there's so much there's so much to you and your music and your performance and i've been lucky enough to see it uh live and to see you you know the way you work the crowd and do that i just i can't wait to see what um what comes from that i'm excited for you man thanks
1: so much man I, a
0: lot. I do want to touch on before i do let you go i do want to touch on uh is it pretty good ball is that am i saying that right yeah okay uh-huh. I wanna, sorry I'm yeah back. I wrote it down. I'm just trying to make sure I have it. So pretty good ball. I, I love the idea behind this because I do think mental health is something that has become a lot more uh, easy to talk about in the last couple of years. But even in the country world, too, I feel like it still has a little bit of a stigma on it. And I, I love that you kind of jump into the forefront on this and really you know, being vocal about it.
1: So pretty good ball during the pandemic, how it kind of started during the pandemic. I kind of I kind of looked in the mirror and took stock of like my own life when everything just kind of stood still. <laughs> And what I realized is a lot of me staying busy was kind of, I was able to run from some feelings that were not great, whether it was super stressed or whether it was like anxiety, you know, sadness or whatever, and really not no understanding where that was coming from, but having to face it in the mirror because the world stops, you know? And so I go, you know, man, this is wild, you know, but I don't really want to talk about it. or you know, is therapy made me weak or whatever. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what, do I care about that more than like being okay? Yeah. And so I decided I want hey, I started going to therapy. And as I started, I, re- I just all these epiphanies were going off. And I was like, Phew. number one, I wish I would have started this way before. But number two, this BS that we feed ourselves that like, you're weak if you if you do this, or like the guys can't, especially in country music, that the guys and girls in this industry can't talk about it is like, what are we what are we even doing? Why is it a stigma? So it became something I was passionate about. And so we started pretty good ball, which is essentially it's two, it's two arms of it. One is, pretty good ball fund where people can we'll have you know we've had a couple of events and we will continue to do more with it this year to where we raise money and this money goes into a fund and we've we team with music health alliance and they have kind of the infrastructure to to make it work but basically it's this fund to where if a songwriter musician they don't make over a certain threshold they can go there and, and anonymously get some money for like and get set up with with therapy so there's that fun there the mic side of it i think even the biggest you know the 30,000 foot view of it which is the thing i'm most excited about is the other side of it is is just totally to help destigmatize it, mental health in the country music field and so what i'm really excited about is having some of my own peers um kind of this year through pretty good ball kind of talk about their story and so the idea and the hope is that people go man ray's like just kind of one of us he's a songwriter he's you know, from Georgia, he's a rural kid, whatever, and just like me. And so, man, if he's talking about this, it's like okay if I've had these same thoughts and you know, because especially where in the deep south where I'm from, it's like in a rural town, it's if you feel bad, it's like, well, be tougher, you know, yeah, kind of thing. But that's on bad. It, yeah. Even even in a mental in a mental sense. And so that's kind of where I've been my whole life. And there's obviously there's there's obviously there's there's willpower and there's toughness of mind and all that stuff. But they're also Um, to go with it, there's these tools that we're not born with that you only can, you know, that you only really get to learn if you talk to someone about it. And so they can help you in your everyday life. Because, I mean, number one, life's hard. Number two, this town is hard. You hear no's a lot. You're broke a lot, especially at the beginning. And, like, it's tough tough mentally. And so using pretty good ball is kind of a, a, a platform to just go, hey, it's all right. If you don't feel okay, that make you weak. That make anything. And I'm here to go. I think you're stronger for going. Hey, I don't feel right, and I can't do this on my own because I think as you go through life, you eventually learn either the easy way or the hard way that you can't do it on your own. Yeah, just kind of opening the conversation and giving outlets for people who are comfortable to kind of talk about it, so that X, X, and Y person out there watching or listening goes, if it's okay for them, it's okay for me. And I think tomorrow I might pick up the phone and go. Hey, I, I got some stuff going on, and I just want to figure it out. You know, for me, it's um, just an awareness and a destigmatization, and all, and also on the other side, a true kind of fun for, because uh, that's all well and good. If you go, yeah, I want to talk to someone, but man, that stuff's expensive. Well, if you know, we have this this thing here to help on that side of it too.
0: I, you know, for for all the terrible things that have happened during the pandemic, I try to look at some of the positives that have come out of it, and I do feel like a lot of people have put mental health more in the forefront since then i mean i just talking to some other artists like eh, you know there's your perspective and how you came around to it. But I've also talked to artists that were on the road, you know, 11 months out of the year playing shows and all of a sudden they were in their house nonstop. And they like, it was almost like being a drug addict in a way where it's like, you've got this high nonstop and now someone just ripped that away from you and you're detoxing and you don't know how to deal with that. And it became a very (laughs) difficult situation for people. So I, I think a lot of folks have started to realize, and they're open their mouth and they're sharing their stories. And I think that's the most important thing for the fans that maybe like you said, like kids that are in the, deep South that are, that are never taught to, to talk about their feelings. They're always taught just to be tougher and to be strong, but, yeah. but it's okay to admit that you're having a hard time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and for me, it's, and it's, it's definitely not, that is definitely not something, you know, that's kind of just, that just occurs in the deep South. That's just where I happen no, I, to come I, from. I know, but I yeah. think in general people, especially males, I think are feel this pressure to act tough and be tough and cover something up, even if it's, um, and not talk about it you know, all in the name of kind of, you know, masculinity or being a tough guy or whatever. And that's just, it's a thing you have to just kind of unlearn and also keep part of that That's part of your personality, you know, it's, it's, and that's okay to be tough as well It's like, if you, you wouldn't survive this time, if you weren't tough, right. you know, you wouldn't have came here probably if you weren't tough. There's a, uh, like you said, I mean, you get into situations where you just, you don't, we don't know as humans how to deal with some things. We're just not born knowing. And so it's okay to go learn. And I think that's our whole, our whole platform
0: well Ray uh it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure you know learning more about you over the last I think I, I met you about almost a year ago we, we had you come through Baltimore got a chance to hang for a little yep. bit I guess about seven eight months ago uh, just I'm excited for you uh to see what happens next I appreciate all your time yep. and I'm just dude I just think there's such a bright future here and I can't wait to see what happens for you
1: thanks Jeff you the man
0: Thanks to Ray Fulcher for his time today. I knew a lot of his story before, but there were definitely some things in there that I didn't know. Like, for example, I didn't know he worked with Matt Stafford, uh, Super Bowl quarterback Matt Stafford, when he was at Georgia. So uh, I guess for Ray's sake, go Rams. Although, honestly, I am rooting for the Bengals. Uh, If you do want to support Ray, you can find him on all streaming platforms and on social media. And thank you to all of you for listening to Adult Education this week. I appreciate you. Until next time,
1: be well.